welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Wisdom and instruction for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behaviour, for doing what's right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Okay, God, we thank you so much that you're a God who's involved in all of our week, all of our lives, that you have wisdom to share with us and you're really, really generous with it. God, that as we come to you with questions, you have real answers and as we come to you with struggles, you have a real relationship and you want to walk this through with us as a community and individually. So Jesus, we ask for your spirit to be present with us as we open your Bible together and we seek you together and we seek your wisdom this morning. Amen. Okay, so like I said, these are the Proverbs of Solomon. So Solomon's this king early in Israel's history, and it's kind of the apex point of um, the the Israelite kingdom, as it was. It was the biggest it had ever been. It was the most prosperous it had ever been. And God's really pleased with Solomon and what he's doing. And so God says to Solomon, what would you like? Can you imagine getting that question? What would you like? If you could have anything, what would you like? A Ferrari? A Ferrari? Um, I, don't, I, only like dri- I only like driving about 68 miles an hour, so that'd be wasted on me, but that might be someone's dream. What is it that you'd want if God said you could have anything? And Solomon says, what I'd really like, I don't think I've got the wisdom I need to lead this people. This feels like a big job. What I'd love is wisdom. And God says, that is an excellent answer. I would love to give that to you. And so that's where this kind of tradition, and it's an ancient kind of Near Eastern tradition of wisdom, of, of collecting sayings and truisms and ideas about the world together and working out how to live well within it. So we're going to look at what wisdom is, first of all today, why we need it, why we might struggle to get it, what that might look like. Um, we'll look briefly at the fact that ultimately wisdom begins with God, and this is where probably the Hebrews differ from other ancient kind of texts is that they really see this monotheistic relational God. Monotheistic just means there's one of them, not millions. This real relational God who wants to come and give them wisdom. And then we'll look at this idea that there are two choices, and this runs through the book of Proverbs. We'll keep picking up on it every week. But there's two choices. We can choose wisdom or we can choose folly, which is a nice biblical word for being a bit stupid. That we've got those two choices every day, Every moment, every thing that we're involved in, we can choose wisdom, or we can choose folly, and we'll unpack that a little bit together. Okay. Okay, so first, what is wisdom? Here he is. Um, I didn't get here. This is someone from YouTube that I utilise when, uh, Eleanor, we've done this together, when we've needed to fix a bike. I don't know if you all like this with me. Um, For the writers of the Bible, wisdom is a relational word. There's a few different Hebrew words that we translate wisdom, in particular two, referring to different kinds of relationships. And one is a bit like the relationship you have when you watch YouTube or TikTok because you don't know what you're doing. Okay, have you ever come to that? You come to that point where you're like, I've taken something, usually I've taken something apart and I don't know how to put it back together. (laughs) And I'm like, I need help at this point. Otherwise, I'm not getting to work this week because my bike is in pieces. And this is that shows our real daily need for wisdom and real daily need for wisdom from other people. Okay? I wasn't born knowing how to fix my bike. 
If you saw some of my husband or children during lockdown, um, I wasn't born knowing how to cut hair either. Um, I probably should have watched YouTube first. I wasn't at all. We need to learn skills, don't we? That's, it's fairly obvious when you put it like that. We need to go to people who have the skills and say, teach me, help me with this thing, because otherwise I can't do it. So there's practical help in learning wisdom. And like we said, God has all the wisdom. He's been around a very long time. He's seen all of this happen. And he really wants to be generous with his wisdom and show us what we can do. If God had a YouTube channel, he'd have everything on there. He'd be so helpful. Okay. So we can maybe see Proverbs as God's YouTube channel. Not to, like, not to make it, not to downplay it too much. But if that's helpful for you, you can use that as a picture. So there's that kind of relational knowledge, but there's the second type of relational wisdom as well, which is a bit more like if I become friends with a really passionate cyclist, I'm looking for Wouter or Ollie or someone else in the room, like really passionate cyclist. And what would happen through that friendship is I'd pick up loads of skill, wouldn't I? I'd pick up loads of different skills on how to do things, but more than that, I'd pick up why they love what they do. I'd catch some of their excitement. Um, maybe the satisfaction they have when a mechanism works really well, or that kind of joy that they clearly feel when somehow they've conquered some sort of mountainous terrain. I don't know why you do that on a bike, but people do. Spending time with them, listening to them, um, actually with an open heart to learning about who they are and getting to know them. That would, it would give me skills, it would give me wisdom, it would make me grow to love them and love what they love, and it would change me in the process, wouldn't it? It would change me. Something about me would change as they rubbed off on me. This wise, wonderful person with a passion that wasn't mine wouldn't leave me the same. And it's that second type of knowledge, that relational wisdom that comes from a heart connection lived out with somebody that God wants us to have, okay, with him. It's this being rooted in an intimate, loving relationship with God will change us. And that's what I want us to hold on to, actually, as we go through Proverbs, not just this week, um, but as we go through it. You can even read it over the summer. We worked out it's about 17 verses a day, which isn't masses. If you want to read it with us in the next eight weeks, you can follow along. But God has, he's been around forever. He's got so much wisdom to give us. And actually, he wants to walk with us and relate to us and teach us well in that. It's not like watching YouTube. It's much closer than that, which is exactly what Jesus came to do. If you're here and you know Jesus, hopefully this is part of your daily reality, that God wants to walk alongside you and teach you and help you and show you and share his passion and his joy with you. And that when you make mistakes and your bike's in a mess, that he'll come and give you a hand to put it back together and you'll get closer to him doing that. That's the kind of wisdom God wants us to have. Okay, in fact, in the very first chapter of Proverbs, we see that that's, that's all true, but there's an even greater depth to it, which is the fact that wisdom is actually part of who God is in himself and part of what he's put into the creation from the very beginning. Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. I think, I think this is so well known, I've seen it on the side of a bus at some point, sort of travelling along, I'm not sure, sure travelling along about 20 feet above the road. But what does it mean? Have you heard this before? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay, why don't you just, um, just turn to someone near you, and for 30 seconds, what do we mean by the fear of the Lord? If you're struggling, there are two men with theology degrees at the front who aren't sure, so it's okay. <laughs> Okay, does anyone, anyone want to give me an answer? What's, what does the fear of the Lord mean? Go on, Rowan. Um, 
nice. Okay, so the fear of the Lord is because he's all-powerful and all-knowing, that's a bit scary, but because he loves us, we can trust him and come to him with a trusting kind of fear. Nice. I think this man can preach, okay? <laughs> he's also doing our slides today. How exciting. Okay, so yeah, I'm afraid of spiders. God is not like spiders. We're not like suddenly watching Netflix and a hairy little God comes out and tells you off. That's not, that's not what we're doing. That's not what relationship with God is about, okay? Fear is a bit more like reverence. Okay, I've not seen that word used as a hashtag very often. It basically means that the life posture towards God is the same as that posture that you come to when you come to YouTube with a broken bike and go, I need help. That's what it means. Reverence for God is, is not just a feeling, but it's practical. It means humbly searching out his will. Humbly because it means accepting we don't know everything, right? Now, I think that's fairly countercultural these days. If you're up for being radical, which I know sometimes people in church are, we're up for being a little bit radical, then admitting that we don't have all the answers and then deciding humbly to go to a God who does. That's a pretty countercultural thing to do these days, isn't it? We live in a world that says, you have all the wisdom inside you, you have everything you need, and if you don't have, you can Google it by yourself, and off you go. When actually, if we're honest, that's quite worrying and anxiety-creating and frustrating, because we don't. We don't. I, I can't fix my bike or cut hair, let alone knowing the biggest stuff about how to do life well. But God is really happy when we come humbly to him, and he's got... He's really happy to answer what we need. Okay. So wisdom is part of who God is. It's been kind of infused into creation. Later on in Proverbs, um, Proverbs, uh, sorry, wisdom actually speaks with her own voice. And she's pictured as a woman, which, you know, you can... Take and... Yeah, enough said. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Walking off now. Um, <laughs> Proverbs 8.22 says that the Lord brought me forth as the first of his works, before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning, when the world came to be. And this is the kind of assumption that Proverbs works off of, okay, that, that wisdom is part of who God is, and it's part of how he made the world, and it's the way the world is set up to normally work, okay, like justice and fairness, they're things about God that are there in the world from the beginning, it talks about, and you'll find, we'll find this over the next few weeks, it talks about money and stuff, and it says simple things like, if you stay in bed all day, you won't earn any money. If you go to work, you will earn some. Okay, the truisms like that. There's another one that uh, if you spend everything you have today, you won't have anything tomorrow. But if you save it wisely through the month, you might be a bit better off. Okay, it's a bit like physics. If you throw the ball, eventually it will fall down. It's that sort of law. Now, we do know... And we do need to admit at the outset of this series that it doesn't always work like that, does it? It's not quite the same as physics. Um, I've got a houseplant up here. Um, I get given houseplants on a regular basis, okay? And I do my best. All right, if it says partial shade, I put it somewhere. Don't know what that means. Uh, but I do my best. I water them at the right frequency. I try and give them light. I try and give them love. I feed them when I remember. And most of the time, they're okay. There's a little bit of my house that's a bit like a jungle. But sometimes they just inexplicably die in their pots. Don't does anyone else have that? Is that just me? Oh, good. Oh, I thought it was some kind of horrible serial killer of plants. So we know that following all the rules and all the good advice doesn't always work. But we also know that if you give me a plant and I put it in the cupboard in the dark and don't water it, it will die. That's just true. Okay. 
And so if you're wrestling with this through Proverbs, that's okay. Have a read as well of Ecclesiastes and Job are the other bits of wisdom literature. And they're where the people of God wrestle with God about the times when it seems like injustice is just the way things are working. Or when the grace of God even has come and someone's got something they don't deserve and they're wrestling with that too. Okay. They'd like I said, Proverbs is truisms. They're not promises from God. They're not the prophetic, this is what God's going to do. They're just things that people have found to be true, but they're God-infused and they're inbuilt with this wisdom of who God is and what he's put in creation. So to begin to be wise is to be in humble relationship with God, hear his voice, and we can do that in the Bible, we can do that in others, we can do that in the world around us. And then to choose to follow that, and then this sense that as we do that, we're walking in step with who God is and the wisdom that he's put in the world. Excuse me. Sorry. So these two choices, another theme that we're going to come at through Proverbs are these two choices of wisdom and folly or stupidity or poor choices that we're going to keep recurring. Um, now you'll find these in the first bit of Proverbs pictured as two women, okay? Again, take from what, what you like. Um, and they're pictured as two women who go out into the street and speak to people. They speak to young men and say, come, come and learn wisdom from me, or come and make a foolish choice. They speak to people in the marketplace and say, come, be sensible with your money, learn from me, or come and do stupid things. Okay, and that's a really helpful way, I think, to picture what it looks like to make good choices and to walk in step with the wisdom of God every day. All right. Has anyone here seen Hamilton, the musical? Yeah, excellent. Wonderful. And no correlation between you guys and the guys who killed the pot plants. It's just, just random. It's a music. If you haven't seen it, it's a musical on Disney Plus. Well worth watching. There's a scene where Hamilton has been working really, really hard. Okay, for ages. He feels really tired. He needs a break. He's missing his wife, who told him he should have a break, and he didn't listen. And then this pretty woman walks in. Beautiful woman in a red dress, with a really sad story. Okay. And he decides he's going to listen to her story. He lends her money, which is really kind. Um, and then he walks her home, which is nice, but not necessary. And then he follows her into her house, which is unnecessary and probably quite a bad idea. Um, and then he follows her into her bedroom, which is lunacy, frankly. And then, well, it's a musical. Um, so <laughs> I was, I've practiced this with singing to you, and I've practiced without. I'm going to go without. Um, because, oh, no. <laughs> Fiona said she'll sing it to you later. She's much better than I am. That's when I began to pray, Lord, show me how to say no to this. I don't know how to say no to this. Alexander Hamilton, that is not the time to start praying, is it? <laughs> you, you have waited too long to pray, if that's where you are. I mean, do pray, or just leave, one of the two, but actually you started to make that poor choice when you listened to that story and when you decided to walk her home and when you decided to go into her house. That's what it means to walk with foolishness is because you took steps. Actually, all of us probably can think of a time when we made a poor choice because of lots of poor choices that we made up to that point. Okay. You can have power and you can have money and you can have a big brain, theology degree, guys, but you can make a line of stupid choices and end up losing everything. Hamilton loses his reputation, his joy with his wife, his chance to be president, and, and quite a lot of respect from audiences at that moment in the musical, actually. It's when when your, your sense of, of who he is starts to turn. 
And the thing is that actually what was lacking for him was probably a humility to realise that he needed help and also a sense of being able to call on God and for wisdom in those moments. The thing is that unwisdom, foolishness, looks like fun, doesn't it? It looks like fun. We live at a really interesting time in history when choices that have been seen publicly as unwise or foolish, when those choices are actually celebrated in the world around us. Do you get that sense? What should you do? Okay, thinking about adverts that you've seen and stuff that you, um, again, on the sides of buses and stuff, what should you do? Should you save up carefully, diligently to buy that sofa or buy that car? Um, or should you get it now on credit and pay interest? Should you sleep with that person that you want and then the next one and then the next one? Or should you decide to commit to a celibate, chaste, covenanted lifestyle, whether that's as a single person or in a marriage? Which would you get pop songs written about? Our culture has loads of poor choices all the time and celebrates them. And I think that makes it really hard to be wise, actually, in our world, because it's really hard to hear a voice of wisdom in a lot of spaces that we'll enter into every day. And actually, I think our world is like that because it doesn't have hope. It doesn't have a long-term perspective. It doesn't have a God who loves you. It doesn't have someone whose wisdom is in the world making things right even when they're hard. But wise choices are often hard and you need to have a bit of a longer-term perspective and a bit of a sense that things will work out even if it doesn't feel like fun right now. But that's the perspective God wants to give us when we're in this long-term relationship with him, when he comes into our lives and speaks to us, when we let him speak to us. Okay, so what does it look like to do that then? What does it look like practically? Like, that's fine, fine for Hamilton, I understand. What does it look like practically to walk in wisdom, to walk in this fear of the Lord, to start there and make wise choices every day? Okay, so I've got three, three kind of things that might help us as we try and look at wisdom and we try and walk with wisdom with Jesus. Proverbs 7, 1 to 4 says, My son, keep my words, store up my commands within you, Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you're my sister. To insight, you're my relative. There's this constant picture of us keeping these words of God and who God is really close to us, inside us and outside us, in places that we can see and in people around us that can speak to us keeping those really close. And actually, the first thing we can probably do is just know what God's wisdom is. None of us are born knowing that. None of us, are, none of us came into this world suddenly knowing all of the Bible and all of God's wisdom, because, I mean, frankly, that's, that's a lifetime's worth of learning, and even then, we wouldn't probably get there. So we need to know what God's wisdom is, and just, just spend time with God. Spend time in the Bible. Spend time with people who love the Bible. Spend time in the Holy Spirit and seek it. And actually, as you do that, probably what you'll find is that some of it really resonates with you, and you're like, that's so helpful and so wise. Thank you, God. And then sometimes you'll find that some of it irritates you or even makes you cross, okay? And actually, God wants to wrestle with you in that as well. Like, it doesn't, God, God doesn't, he does want us to obey, he does want us to listen to him, but he also wants to be in relationship, and he knows that means conversations happen, right? If you're in relationship with someone. And so he wants to walk that out and wrestle that through with you and what that looks like specifically for you. So I just encourage you, if you're not in a habit where you read a little bit of the Bible every day and sit and chat to God about it, even if it's just for a few minutes, just do that. You'll be amazed at how 
Much of God you can take in. It doesn't have to be really long. Not all of us have a nice prayer room in our house decorated with living plants where we can spend hours every day. I would love that. I don't have one. Um, I have children. Um, <laughs> but we can all read a little bit, can't we? We can all listen a little bit to what God might be saying. And just, just, in that, just in the way that it might be if you had a text with a wise friend every day or two, or you had a little conversation with a friend every day who was just really helpful. It will just affect you in exactly the same way. The other thing I'd say is, the second thing is to reflect and invite God into when you reflect on your behaviour and your choices. So I wasn't sure whether to share this. This isn't me saying you should do this. This is just me sharing this is how I do it and how I found God helps me. So this is my bullet journal from 2019. Um, And this is something that I do every six months to a year or so with God, is I'll sit down and do um, a bit of an inventory of where I'm at, like where um, finances, debt, character stuff, emotional health, work things, intellectual development, habits, all of that stuff. I get a bit twisty in my head if I try and just think. So I tend to write it down and then sit with God and go, okay, God, honestly, what's going well? What's not? And what do you want to work on? God doesn't go work on everything at the same time because that would be overwhelming. What he does do is usually puts his finger on a couple of things that are really strong that he wants to press into and a couple of things that actually... I could do with changing and moving forward in, and then he wants to help with that. Because he's not the kind of God who just tells you off and leaves you alone. He comes and works with you through things. And so that's what, that's what my experience with God has been. And that's what you'll find through this series too, that the principles from Proverbs are universal. Okay? Advice about money from the Bible is universal. Advice about relationships is universal, applies to everybody. But for you personally, what that looks like is going to be different to the person next to you. And so we, we, can't, we can come here and we can listen together, we can seek God together, but what needs to happen is you going home, spending time with God, working out where it is that God wants to help you, where he, was, he wants to press into you. So know what God's wisdom is, reflect on where you're actually at. But then I'd also say humbly invite other people into that space as well. It does start with you and God, but this book of Proverbs is all about humans having written down, Solomon writing down leadership wisdom for kings coming after him, or a parent a mother and father writing down wisdom for their son. It's all about humans having wisdom and kindness for each other. I think we all need to be known and loved before it's safe for us to get um, correction or wisdom or help from other people. But actually, one of the places that I have constantly found a place of wisdom and advice is small groups or relationships with other Christians where I can say, I know you know me, I know you love me, Tell me honestly what you think about this. And I'm not going to lock eyes with any of you right now, but some of you have been amazing at doing that. And I wouldn't be where I am without that, without you guys being able to say, when you do this, that isn't helpful, or have you thought about this, or all that kind of thing. We need to make spaces, and I think they're unusual spaces now in our culture. We need to be a space where people can be known and loved, and people can receive wisdom and advice and help from each other. Um, so those are, those are just some ideas about how we can move into the wisdom of God. Um, what I'd love us to do um, is maybe to stand together. And we're just going to ask God to come and speak to us. It might be that for some of you, you've been sat here and you're like, I know there's some wisdom I really need right now. And God might want to come and speak to you right now, or he might want to just give you some pointers for the next few weeks to come and meet with him in your own time or in small groups or from somebody else. Or maybe he wants to do other things. I'm not quite sure what he wants to do right now. So I'm going to ask him rather than deciding for myself because that's wisdom, right? Okay.
and don't worry about the baby. Okay. We all feel a bit like that sometimes in church. No problem at all. Jesus, we love you. We love your wisdom. We love the fact that you're a God who has all the answers that we need to live well. But you also know that life is sticky and tricky and difficult. So God, would you come right now? We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.